You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to another edition of The Social Club, brought to you by the Chronicles of Aguna, sponsored by tvsportsblog.com. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simeon, and I'm delighted to be joined by the regular panel, uh, two top lads in uh, Simon Alavi. How you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. Yourself? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I've had better weeks, but it is what it is. (laughs) (laughs) Also joining me is the brilliant Dan DeLuca, also known as... Hashtag DDL. Pleasure as always. Good to see you. How you doing, mate? Yeah, all right, thanks. Yeah, enjoying the sun. Enjoying the sun, yeah, exactly. Yeah, lovely weather. A lot's happened since we've last done an episode of The Social Club, and I have to start by stressing that it's through no fault of these two lads that we haven't done one for a couple of weeks. It's me. Um, Blame it all on me. Uh, I fully deserve it. Um, Just not had the chance, unfortunately. We couldn't work it out in our diaries which is all my fault so I do take full responsibility but we're back and hopefully you're going to enjoy this show and it will make up for the fact that we've been missing for a few weeks um we're back in lockdown uh DDL you were in lockdown anyway in Wales um how are you coping with lockdown the second time around well I did I think it was on this this show a couple of months I said my marriage has got one lockdown in it um, <laughs> yeah you did the, say that to be fair the second one <laughs> The second one has been tough and potentially expensive, but we'll see how it plays out. <laughs> Alavi, how are you coping with it? I'm. I feel yeah, like. All right. I think don't forget. I'm always in a different tier than you guys, so I've gone from one extreme to the other. I've gone from like the least restrictive tier to the most. So yeah, yeah. I don't know, man. At least I think it'll only be for a month. So we'll see. At least we've got sport this time, which is yeah. massive, isn't it? It makes such a big difference. I could it's do just... without an international break this weekend, though. After the way Arsenal performed the other day, I could yeah, do you with, do with one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I said this to you guys last time ahead of the last international break. I feel like because football's become not just my hobby, that when, when the international breaks come along, I actually look forward to them a little bit because it is a weekend off. It is some time to recharge the batteries a little bit. And it, you just can take your foot off the gas for a couple of days, which is nice. Cyprus um, Luxembourg, though. Well, yeah, Cyprus, Greece are playing as well in a friendly, apparently. <laughs> there you go. Right, um, let's kick off this week's show by discussing the man whose name seems to be on everybody's lips at the moment, in the Arsenal world anyway, and that is Mikel Arteta. Um, obviously, week before last, Arsenal went to Old Trafford, came out with a really positive result, a really good at least first half display from the Gunners. And it was happy days again. Um, Arsenal were flying. Arsenal were on the right track. Everybody was jumping on the Arteta bandwagon. And then we hit a brick wall again this weekend with a really, really disappointing defeat at home to Aston Villa. Now, the reason I want to talk to you two guys about this is because neither of you are Arsenal fans. And I like that because I like the fact that I'm going to get an opinion from two people who are detached from the club and and are not going to be speaking on emotion. You're going to be speaking based on what you've seen and what you think. And I'm going to start with you, Dan, because I know from conversations that we've had 
um, in WhatsApp groups, etc., etc. You think that Mikel needs to buck up his ideas and you're not entirely convinced that he has improved Arsenal. I'm not going to say at all, more like enough. Yeah, so he hasn't improved Arsenal enough. I think that's that, that's clear. He's been there. He's been there a year now for a year in a couple of weeks' time, isn't it? Um, so he's not in yeah, the Boxing Day. He took over, didn't he? Yeah. I think no, it was just it was just before that. Just before was it? Yeah. yeah. He okay. lost the one game against Everton, didn't he, from the stands? So okay. let's go back. I don't want to get lambasted by everyone because I'm a Spurs fan. I like Mikel Arteta. I think it's it's pretty poor that we're already in this place at Arsenal with Mikel Arteta, that it's, he's being judged game by game. You know, we, we, it's a bit quick to be there when you think it was only a few months ago. He, you know, he'd taken an FA Cup. Doesn't matter how, how he did it, he got it done. He had one in the bank and you thought at the time that was perfect for him. That would buy him, you know, a whole full season without having this constant game-to-game pressure. I kind of feel if he'd lost at Old Trafford, um, that... Everyone was gonna, you know, everyone was gonna start getting on his back. Then he won at Old Trafford. Then a game later, we're back where we are. Yeah, it was a horrible defeat. So let's take the results away from it for a minute. So I, I like Arteta. I, I, I like the way he presents himself. I kind of like some of his ideas from the outset. But what I'm seeing at the minute is a football team that hasn't really improved enough. Um, I think that's qualified by the league position last season of eighth, which is which is not good enough. And I'm judging him this season more in his performances rather than the results. So the performance against West Ham, which was which was a win, was very, very poor. Um, Sheffield United was a really, really poor and dull game. Um, I think, you know, the better quality player shone through. And the performance against Aston Villa the other night was absolutely horrific. And I'm looking around now at Arteta and I see a stubborn guy, which is brilliant, because you like that when a guy, what you say about Arteta is he knows what he wants, he's coming straight away and he's doing it. And that's fantastic. But he's at that place at a minute where it's clear certain things aren't working. It's clear to me, it's clear to you, it's clear to all your listeners. But he doesn't want to change them. And I look at it and think, well, why not? Why? What is he trying What is he trying to do at this moment in time? Because his initial remit, I get not his remit, but his probably initial aim was, well, can I prove myself enough to get some backing in the summer? Can I prove myself enough so that my star striker stays at the club? He's done both of those things. He's earned himself, um, you know, a little bit of money, a little bit of support from the board, and the almost at that time unrivaled backing from the fans. And now he seems to want to just stubbornly throw that all away. Where there's a few easy wins he can do straight away to show that he's trying to do something different. And that's why I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit disappointed. Um, I think his tactics. I think he stumbled by accident on the wrong tactic. So, um, and I'll keep this bit brief because I'm already um, taking up the whole show. But <laughs> he started off seemingly trying to play some attacking football, um, building from the back, but quicker play. Then he was very lucky to beat Liverpool at the back end of last season, and he followed that up with a, a really defensive counter-attacking win, where Rabaniyan cut him from the left and scored a couple of goals in the same week. And from that point on, he seems to have reverted to more and more defensive tactics. Sometimes you look and there's seven or eight defensive players. And I'm looking at him. I, sexy Sean Dyche, I've been calling him for the last couple of weeks. <laughs> I, just see, I just see ultra-defensive formation um, where, at a minute, I look at Arsenal, there's not a lot of goals in this field. And all you have to really do is mark one player and you've got a fair chance of, you've got a fair chance of getting something out of the game. And I think he needs to 
loosen up a little bit and try and make a few a few obvious changes because I think his stubbornness will. The Arsenal fans are already getting impatient, and this is a guy who you know knows the club and he's already won a trophy, um, and they're already getting impatient. So he does need to back his ideas up. To go back to your question, and very quickly too, with some easier fixtures on the horizon. Yeah, I think I think you make some really good points, particularly about the stubbornness. Um, we've seen oh, him. Are they easier though? Sorry, but is, would you say Leeds and is it Wolves in the? I wouldn't Premier say they. I wouldn't say they're easy, but I think it's it's all about. You know, people will sit there now and they'll say Arsenal have lost four of their first eight league games. Two of those were at City Anfield, <laughs> and and the Etihad. One was against a, a pretty good Leicester side, um, and the other one was was the game against Aston Villa. So I do think there's there's been a little bit of an overreaction, and I do think that. The once we get more fixtures under our belt and there's more of a balance in, with regards to the teams that we've played, you'll probably see a better picture of where Mikel Arteta's Arsenal are at than you're currently seeing. Mm. Um, I, you know, I'm, I, I like him. I, I want him to do well, and I'm not on his back just yet. Um, but I know Alavi, you, you're very sort of. Pro, apart from looking exactly like the geezer, yeah, um, having the same. <laughs> That's what stubble. I was a bit upset about. Um, <laughs> what Dan said about sexy Sean Dyche. <laughs> <laughs> apart from uh, apart from being his uh, younger yeah, twin yeah. brother, um, <laughs> what are your thoughts on on his tenure so far? I think he's had a brilliant tenure. I think Arsenal fans need to lower expectations. I think they're very good at revising history. You know, this is a guy who came in. Um, currently from Harry he won, he won at Man United he won the FA Cup he beat Liverpool in the Commuter Shield they had some decent results um, just after football restarted I know they haven't done well recently you know they've lost four times of a league like you said for me if I was an Arsenal fan I'd look at I'd take the Liverpool and City one away they're given the Leicester one was unlucky it's when you look at the defeats you've got to look at how did I lose and it's only really the Villa one that I would say is you know is is one that's consternation is is worrying you know it would fill me with a bit of apprehension now they're three points of Chelsea we were talking earlier about Chelsea being title contenders so I think at this early in the season it's very easy to get to get worried and if you're gonna you know I hear Arsenal fans blaming Arteta for taking the job well like Dan said he's ambitious he's strong-willed you see what he's done with Ganduzi you see what he's done with um with Ozil he's obviously someone who has got Aubameyang to stay. He's tried to put inflict his way of playing. I know it hasn't been successful at all times, but he's tried. He has he has stood up to the board. He said that they um, what's the exact phrasing? There there needs to be a big change if I'm going to do well in, in the next transfer window. And don't forget, this is a building block um, for Arsenal. You know, and I think to some degree, the FA Cup actually went against him. He should have lost that game, right? Because what he's done is he set set himself up. For, for failure because he's done so well so early on. His first 17 games, right, he's got a better record than Klopp in his first 17 games. And when you look at the issues, how many are his fault? Like, parties come in, played well. If it was it, is it 52 million from Atletico Madrid, played brilliantly against Old Trafford. I did think he played well in the first half, and I'm pretty sure that was down to injury. You've got Aubameyang, yeah. who's scored how many goals? Two goals all season. Yep. Now, is that because Arteta's asking him to play more defensive and you can't carry a player like Berbatov or Ozil nowadays? So, obviously, his shots per game ratio has gone down. I think it was something like 2.9 under Emery. It's gone a lot closer to the two to the two mark. So, what you know, I, he, he seems to... 
rely on crosses in the box, which is it, the one criticism I have of him is I don't think he's an experienced enough manager to know what to do against certain teams. So if you're crossing in the box against Leicester, against Villa, if he tries it against Leeds, they they know how to deal with it. It's like they must look at Arsenal beforehand on the team sheet and go, they're going to play us off the park here. And then they start crossing into the box and you think, brilliant. Like they must be rubbing their hands with joy. I think you should put a bit more uh, trust in his youngsters. Uh, the kid who's played one in the um, Europa League, uh, Joe Willett. Um, and Keita, how many East scored the same amount of goals in Aubameyang? So I do think you should be, put, be a, put, put a bit more trust in his youngsters. I guess my final point is, a lot's been made of his formation changes. You know, oh, he, you know, he doesn't know what his best formation is, a 3-4-3, three, three, a 4-3-3. Three, three. Well, actually, a, a good manager is able to implement any formation against the team um, and do well with it. And actually, I think he doesn't trust his centre-backs. He knows they aren't great. Um, but he's done well defensively. When you look at the first part of his tenure, I think if you compare it to Emery, he had something like, you know, um, 28 goals conceded in 14 games and Arteta, uh, and Arteta, sorry, in 16 games, and Arteta conceded 14 goals in 16 games. So the difference yeah, but- is noticeable in his in his um, defence. Um, so the only other thing I'd say is if you look at the players he's impacted, Xhaka for one, Tierney for another, they're not the same players they were under um, Emery, are they? You look at Tierney, he's very profound going forward. He's uh, solid at the back. You know, Xhaka wasn't the force he was, and now they're both injured, right? Tierney so, didn't Sorry, go on. No, he didn't. He came in and I think he was injured. Uh, They signed him in September and I think he was injured and then he didn't play much. But to be fair, he's got the best out of him. The thing I don't understand, so I'm not saying Arteta's... There's something about Arteta and I can't tell you what it is. I kind of feel like he's going to do well in the end, whenever the end is. I don't know why. It's just something about... The way I've been right about this in the past, I've been wrong about it as well. I thought Marco Silva was going to do well for similar reasons, and, and unfortunately he didn't. I still feel he's going to do well. I don't want Arsenal fans to get on my back when I say this, but from the outset, I didn't think he was the right appointment. And I think, Aladdy, where you said there, you know, well, maybe Arsenal need to lower their expectations. Well, they shouldn't really have to lower their expectations. But in your WhatsApp note, DeLuca, you're going on about Ancelotti, right? Yeah. Right. So, what have Everton's last three results been? Yeah, but it's not that. It's not that. There's. Let me just come in with some of the some of the points that both of you have mentioned. So, one of the things that is always mentioned and always discussed with regards to to Mikel Arteta is the ruthlessness that he's shown with regards to certain players. So, those players being Matteo Guendouzi, being Mesut Özil. The issue that a lot of Arsenal fans are having, and again, I want to stress the point, I'm not Arteta out. I can see loads of you in the comments writing Arteta out. I am not Arteta out. But we're having this discussion because a large proportion of the fan base feel this way now. And and with regards to that ruthlessness point, the issue is that you're seeing that ruthlessness applied with some players, but not with others. And that's where Arsenal fans are struggling. Mesut Ozil has been completely cast out in the cold and is not even considered in a side that cannot create for shit. Yet, Willian comes into the side, produces absolutely nothing and keeps his place every week. Joe Willock performs in the Europa League. Now, I know it's against some pretty poor sides and I get all of that, but 
the whole point of of Arteta's ethos and of Arteta's kind of philosophy was that he wanted to create this culture whereby if you perform and you earn the right to play, you will play. Yet players are taking their opportunities when they're being given them in the fringe competitions and then they're not getting opportunities on the pitch. There is no way that Joe Willock didn't at least deserve a place on the bench in the he games against Manchester squad, United. He? No, he didn't no. make the squad against United and he didn't make the squad against Villa. Now... I was having this discussion with someone yesterday and, and we looked at the substitutes bench for the game against Aston Villa. Partey and Elneny started in the middle of the park. Sabayos and Xhaka were on the bench. Sabayos and Xhaka, for me, are the same type of player. Now, you might disagree, but what I mean by that is they're both play midfield players who are comfortable passing the ball, but both do it from a deeper position. Neither of which are going to bomb on, are going to join the attack are going to make runs beyond the forwards. Neither of those two players are going to do that. Joe Willock would do that. So is this a case of Mikel Arteta having his favourites? Did he not have the balls to say to Xhaka or Ceballos, one or the other, I need a different option. I've already got Elneny on the pitch. I've already got Partey on the pitch. One of you two midfielders has to step aside tonight so that Joe Willock can be on the bench. It feels like with certain players... He will not take these ruthless actions, yet with others he will. And that's where people are getting a little bit sort of upset, a little bit frustrated. I understand it. I do understand why people are getting frustrated about that. Though. Because I look at Arsenal and you know, I said it before the season, even though, I, again, I thought they might get a fourth spot. Now, now I don't. I mean, you know, you could easily win five in the next seven games and you'll be second or third. But... That's why I'm judging it on performances. And I look at Arsenal at the minute, and I only really see one way to score. Or one player who's... You've got one player who's not scoring. And I just look at... I can always predict how the next Arsenal game is going to go. You know, there's going to be a chance. It's going to fall to Lacazette. He's probably going to miss it. Everyone's going to get upset. The pressure's going to mount. And then you see a prolific goal scorer out on the left wing. That's fine if... That's fine for as long as it's working. But the minute it's not working, you've got to change it. You've got. Isn't to he meant to be the guy in the box, not the guy? Where, on the where, where I from do my have Arsenal knowledge. Where I do have some sympathy for Arteta in that is that it has worked previously yeah, under, yeah, yeah. with Aubameyang on the left. It's not working now, and I agree with you, Dan, that it needs changing, it needs addressing. But there was a, a sustained period where actually it was working, and it was working very well, and it's not now. But this is the point, isn't it? At what point do you? look at a situation and go, I need to sh shake this up a little bit. And at what point do you stick with your, your morals and your, not your morals, I guess, your plans and, and just well. push, yeah, the stubbornness and push through these difficult mm. times. I, that's one of a number of issues that are frustrating Arsenal fans. I mentioned Joe Willock, Ainsley Maitland-Niles, every time he's played has been brilliant. Doesn't get a look in at the moment was linked with a move to Wolves. There was lots of speculation about that in the summer. And then Mikel Arteta made this big gesture and, and come out and kept speaking about him and how important he was to the squad and how much he wanted to keep him around. For he was one of the future players of Arsenal Football Club, one of the future key men, and he's been cast out in the cold. And it, it just there's so many contradictory things. Yeah. That that's what people get upset that about. That is the inexperience showing up. And that's yeah, what yeah. yeah. That I don't disagree with. Or a for a top six club or a top six club as Arsenal as Arsenal were then, that what? What did you say? Um, 
Carry on. Um, for a Toxics club that has Arsenal were at that time, it's <laughs> it's an appointment of a weak club. I've seen it. I've seen it with Tottenham before when they appointed Tim Sherwood because he oh, knows the club and he wears a nice tracksuit. Hold and, on, hold on. We cannot, yeah, uh, as much oh, as Arteta no, deserves no, no. credit, we cannot. <laughs> To bring Tim Sherwood no, into this debate. What I'm saying is, that's, it's an inexperienced manager, and the only reason he was appointed is because he was associated with a football club. Now, well, no, because I'll tell you, showed it at City, something at City, didn't it? But did he? Who saw it? Oh, come on. Like, no, 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 no. But, but Sherwood has, didn't no, show no, anything. I'm making point. that comparison this, between the two. This is my point. <laughs> this is Arsenal. I'm praising Arsenal. A club the size of Arsenal appointing okay. someone because he's been a coach at another club. Got to be looking bigger than that, and then it's say that about Emery. They should have gone bigger than Emery then. Emery had been racking up medals and trophies, yeah, but come on, on. A European he's gonna win La Liga this year, Alavi. Yeah, but Emery was <laughs> if you think at the time Arsenal were in the Europa League, mm. yeah, they brought in a Europa League specialist to give him a second avenue to get back to the Premier League. He nearly pulled it off in that particular tournament. Very unfortunate against Atletico Madrid in the semi-final, and they would have won the final. No, that was that was Wenger that year. The Atletico Madrid year was Wenger. It was the year after Emery, where we lost to Chelsea in the final. He went to the final in his first year. Oh, I've let myself down. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that was a four-one. Oh, that was it's like Brian Dean all over again, Dan. Yeah, that was, <laughs> oh, that was four as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But the point is, he was bought in. He was oh, we're going to get so many texts about that tonight, aren't we? <laughs> He was bought in for that purpose, so you could understand the point. It didn't work yeah, out, yeah, yeah, yeah. but you don't see, you know, we all laugh at Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for the same reason. It's exactly the same principle, you know. So Lampard, at least he had a year's experience. He had a year managing somewhere else. So he bought in a manager essentially to give him his first job at Arsenal. So now, when it's getting a little bit turbulent, and you're saying, "Well, when does he push on? When does he stick?" He hasn't. This is his first experience of that, so he's learning on the job at Arsenal. Yeah. So if I'm an Arsenal fan now, I'm going to have to ride that out, whether I like it or not. There's no point getting on the comments saying Arteta out, and because actually, what's that going to achieve at this point? No, agreed. I don't. I'm not for a second suggesting that he should be sacked at this point. And I think you make an excellent point about the inexperience and about the fact that he's going to learn a lot on the job. And as Arsenal fans, we're going to have to just deal with that for now. Um, but what also doesn't help is the fact that the structure behind Mikel Arteta or above Mikel Arteta has had so much uncertainty as well. Um, when he came into the club, Raul Sanlei was the head of football, whatever they used to call him. He's been got, He's been shafted out because he was found to have been involved in some stuff that he shouldn't have been. They moved him on. Then Edu, you know, Edu comes in, another new face. Mikel Arteta gets promoted from head coach to manager. Well, actually, he hasn't even learned how to be a head coach yet. And you're already putting this extra responsibility on him. And and look, I think people like Arsene Wenger, when he came to Arsenal and he had all of that responsibility, you know, I've just been reading his book. He managed in France, he managed in Japan. You know, he had plenty of career experience, practical experience that probably enabled him to to go into a job like that, take on the extra responsibility and still cope and swim rather than sink. Mikel Arteta, I think, for all the, the positive energy that was around the fact that he'd been promoted to the manager rather than the head coach and that he was going to take on extra responsibility around recruitment and various other bits and pieces, I don't know if that's actually helpful for someone at that stage in his career. I've got to say that. Um, 
just kind of, I love you, just get, to get your kind of final thoughts on the, the Arteta thing. Um, are you just urging everyone to stay patient and then we'll move on to, to another discussion? Yeah, you've, <laughs> you lost the villa, like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Everyone's acting like it's World War Three. It's, yeah, I urge Arsenal fans to, to just back him. They've got a bad enough reputation as being quite, uh, what's the word? Extreme, let's say. Like, just back him. Just give him a bit more time. Even if you're, even Dan, even someone like Dan, who's the least Arteta out of all of us, wouldn't sack him. So yeah. what does that tell you? Guys, I've got a delivery at my door. Keep, talk about the Alavi leading to the uh, VAR right, go, stuff. And yeah. I'll be with you in a sec. Go on. Go for it. Um, Dan, I think for me, I'll, we'll start with the offsides. Like, we probably, Harry thinks it's fine as it is. You absolutely hate it. I'm probably in the middle. What I would say is statistically, if you look at the offside law and VAR, you look at the 2018-2019 season before VAR, there was 1,072 goals in the Premier League. You look at the 2019-2020 season, there was 1,034. So actually, it hasn't changed the nature of football in terms of the number of goals scored. My issue is you can't really attain an advantage from anything bar the foot. So it's a rule change. I'm fine with these given as they are because the rule is in place and you have to stick to the rule so they have to do they have to abide by what the regulations say now for me what i would say is any part of the body that you can legally use right to 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 score a goal if that is on side then you're on side and it's a bit like tennis right you give the you give the um advantage to the attacker so same way in tennis, any part of the ball touches the line, it's in rather than out. And what I do like about the offside and the VIR rule is that you can see it clearly. There's an interrogation. You can, you can, it's transparent. It's not like these fouls that we're seeing where we're not sure what they're saying. Like with, you know, you saw the handball over the weekend. At least it's transparent. It, the rule does need to change, though. Even though it hasn't statistically changed the number of goals, I do think the rule has to change because that, I don't trust that freeze frame is good enough to know when the ball has even left the foot. And that's my, my real issue, is you, I do not trust the video reviewability. I do not trust the cutoff point. What I would say is you have to, until you change the rule, you can't do anything about what we're seeing at the moment because you can't start adding tolerance levels. Um, and I think the biggest issue people have is, is against the spirit of the game. And it probably is. But with that Bamford goal, what are you meant to do? Are you meant to just say, do you know what? It's a great goal. By the law, it's offside. By the technology, we've got it's offside. But we're going to give it anyway. We, we would be making something we're trying to make objective somehow subjective. And I know it's against the spirit of the game, but we have to remember this, right? And I, and I read this somewhere, and it's a really good point. As much as I hate the AR, it was the one thing it was meant to work for, and I want it to work for offsides. There were a lot of goals, right, that were scored before the AR for offside that were chalked off, but we just didn't see them because they were stopped well before. That's the difference. That's why people are getting annoyed because they were, the flag went up and they were stopped. For all you yeah. know, it could have gone in. And that's what people seem to just forget. What you just see is the, the goal go in and the goal being disallowed. That Bamford goal, right, could have been raised as offside well at the time or, or passed before, well, you know, do you know what I'm trying to say? So yeah, yeah, I know actually, you're to... you, with VAR, you, 
they're encouraged to not raise a flag. So you only see the final results. So you see everyone celebrating. You see them going mad. And then you see that it's this loud because of an armpit. And everyone's going mad, right? Yeah. But do you know how many goals we, we remember we watched a match of the day and, and Sky Sports BT, et cetera, not to leave anyone out. How many were actually scored would have been scored, but the flag's gone up in the build-up of the play. Yeah. People forget that. So <laughs> there is a way of this working. But anyway, I've gone. I know you're uh, quite vehemently against it. <laughs> yeah, no. On the last, the last social club I was on, I gave my views on on the technology and, and how it should work and the speed of it, which would make things more satisfactory. So I won't bore you, listeners. Oh, with the foot, the foot thing with the ball. Yeah, just, just yeah, 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 that works. If something yeah. is instant, you can it's not deal a video with replay, it a lot is it? Yeah. You can deal with it a lot better than it isn't. You know, if, if something is instant, like goal line technology. It's instant. It doesn't matter that it's one millimeter because you know straight away. You kind of you you get over it a little bit. But for me, there's, there's very few things in football that, that are subjective. Um, offsides, you can argue is one of them. But already, we got to say to ourselves: Do we want goals disallowed for someone pointing? So there's been there's been really narrow ones. Mane's yeah, but you're saying it. There's you're no saying law Dan, that says we you're... cannot disallow it because it's five yeah. millimeters or because uh, and, it's pointing. And also as well, also <laughs> as well, you're saying it as though we're getting offsides given for people pointing every single week. This is the first time I can remember a player being penalised for offside because he was pointing. It's not a common occurrence. There has been some bad ones, though, Harry. There's been some some bad ones. But but you're off or you're on. You're off or you're on. I agree. I agree. I agree. But But I think we're all needs to change. It's been been getting progressively worse, hasn't it? You've seen seen somewhere it's been like a hill. You're like, oh, fucking really, but fair enough. Then it's been a toe. Then it's been the toe of the guy who over there hasn't touched it yet. Then it's been an Arsenal player who, who who withstood somewhere between Schmeichel and someone else, you know. That, and we're creating this place where there are goals that are being chalked off that really shouldn't be. And, it's, and you it's have to draw it somewhere, though, Dan. You have to either change the rule or well, then change the rule. Accept it. Because, yeah, because, fine, fine, because, fine. Because, because so, so all right. So, what what do you change the rule to? What's the what's uh, the I think answer you to it, this? But what I was saying was change it to whatever part of the body. Um, if if a attacking player has a part of the body that is onside, then he's onside. So you know, like tennis, how the ball go hits yeah, the but line then that's, and but it's this, in. I, I disagree with that because with football, you could leave. You I know could, what you're going to say. Yeah, you could get the advantage on of someone by leaving your leg outstretched behind <laughs> well, you, and you've not, still got that advantage. For me, this isn't that hard. It, Improve it, the technology, then, because I don't trust it. Like, it's just a know, guess, isn't it? If I was in, if I obviously the Premier League's bigger than me, but you look at the Bamford goal and you look slightly, at it and, and you think, well, why, why do you even, why do you even need to draw a line? You look at it and he's on side, but, but, but he's not hard, by the technology. He's not off side. How hard is it to say the part of your body that touches the ball next? There you go. You touched it with your foot. Was your foot on side? Yes, it was fine. You've headed it in. Was your head on side? Yeah. Not, oh, I've headed it. But my foot's on, so my foot's offside. What fucking difference your foot make? That? But how can you say that you've watched that and determined that he's onside when by the rules he's yeah. offside? He's, he's half a yard behind the defender. But he, he is. But, but the by the is... best technology we have, and by the rule, you, uh, an official cannot look at that with his book and his video replay and all the rules and the, the technology and go, do you know what? Great guy, I'm just going to give it on. You can't. But I'm still not sure what part what he's been disallowed for. What part of the body is it? 
Well, the the rule the rule we'll come on. This is a nice segue actually into the handball debate because that's another bit that we're going to touch on because that is a, a mm. contentious thing contentious, as well. Yeah. And, uh, apologies for running off in the middle. I've been waiting for this delivery. Uh, it's been rescheduled twice, and I got the the text on my phone, and I thought, shit, I better run and get this. It's not the Champions um, League, is it? Because that's not due for about another century. <laughs> no, it's not the Champions League. But this is what happens when you're like, when you're. Uh, <laughs> This is what happens when your wife is uh, gallivanting at 9.30 during lockdown. But anyway, um, quick reminder, before we go on to the handball thing, if you haven't already, guys, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you are new. um, And don't forget, this show is sponsored by tvsportsblog.com. So head over to them and check out uh, their content. I'm sure there'll be lots of content uh, around the golf uh, this weekend. So uh, do check that out. I'm not a golf man myself, but if you are a golf man, Head over to TV Sports Blog for check, some excellent content. Check, check out. If there's any golf fans listening, check out John Rahm's hole in one. I've seen that. Is that the one I've over seen the that. water? Oh, yeah. my word. Yeah, a, guy, a good listener, Rob Palmer, just sent me that. I thought it was one of those where Barry was going to appear at the end, and he wasn't. So I was a bit disappointed. Right. We've pulled apart the, the offside thing. Uh, DeLuca, your suggestion is that we should wait and see which part of the body touches the ball and go with that, whether that was on or offside. Um, I think that the rule where it's a part of your body that you can score a goal with is absolutely fine. I don't think there's any issue with that. And honestly, I feel like these debates are fueled by people that refuse to accept the simple law, like the Luca. No offence, mate, but like it is a simple rule. You're on or you're off. But because people go... Yeah, but because people go, oh, I don't want to see a goal disallowed for that. Yeah, Why we not? Show, we was on this show the other day yeah. where yourself and a lot of your listeners didn't believe an Arsenal goal should have been disallowed. Yep. That's different, though. That's not a subject. That's not an objective line being. Yeah, that that is. That, that is, was the When we're discussing whether you're. Yeah, interference. There was no doubt as to whether he was interfering. Sorry, there was no doubt as to whether he was offside. Yeah, now, now, the so argument was about whether he was interfering. Parts, now, no? subjective parts of the law that we're trying to make objective. It's a complicated. It's a, it's a complicated law. So, you're, what you're basically saying is make it simple. A lavy, your view would be if you're on the picture offside, Brian Clough. Correct. Yeah. If you go to that now, it will cause action well, mayhem. He copied me. Mayhem. But what I was saying, the might have been to you guys, what I was saying earlier, people kind of get cross with me because I'm saying this is what I want to happen. Every single rule is created that way. You, Someone 100 years ago looked at it and said, I don't want Philip Owens argued to goal hang, so we're going no, to create it. There we go. That's how, that's how offside was created because people used to goal hang around the box and someone said, oh, I don't want that to happen, so we'll create a rule. We cannot continue to have a rule where a goal kicker out of pointing. If someone cleverer than me can't work out a solution, then I'll be baffled because I'm not that smart. But if a goal is different out because someone's pointing to where we want the ball, we've got it wrong. Yeah, we but to, that's all yeah, but we 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 had this, and let's move on to the handball thing because there's been a lot of controversy around handballs this season and. You know, we we started the season where we were just seeing handballs left, right and centre. Every game, handball, penalty. Every single bloody game. It's calmed down a little bit. Um, but we had some more examples of it at the weekend. Now, for the record, I just want to get this out there now. The handball in the Liverpool-Manchester City game, that's a handball for me. There's no, there's no argument about that. Only Liverpool fans are, are moaning about that. His arm is out. In my view, in that instance, he's got enough time 
to see the ball coming as well, Joe Gomez. He's tried to make this whole case. It's about like that his, as well. It's quite. Yeah, yeah. He's tried to make this whole case about it's his natural movement when he's running, but ultimately, yeah, I'm not. You know, you can never be sure of intent, but you're you've stuck your arm out and you've blocked the ball going into the penalty area, into a dangerous zone. So for me, that's a handball. But then you've got ones like the Wolves one, um, <clears throat> where the geezer is literally Kill me. no more than a couple of yards away, and I don't. I, I, I can't get my head around how you can give that. This is one where there is a lot of interpretation. And this is one where whatever you do, you're not really going to get a, a, a good enough level of consistency, I would say. But Alavi, we can't It's just, never going to be fixed, is it? The it's never going to be fixed. Never, no. ever, 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 ever but be we, an objective thing. We can't go down this route of saying... Every time it hits your hand in the box, it's a penalty because that's mayhem. But then we also can't give, you know, we also can't just say, oh, well, every single one was like not not intentional because it, it can't what... ever be like, I hate when people say, oh, it wasn't, um, you know, he didn't mean it. It's like, yeah, well, then there'd never have ever been a history uh, apart from when Suarez, you know, saved the one for Uruguay off the line. You can't use the argument, oh, it was intentional. And you can't use the argument um, either of it has to always be hand to ball. I think if you've made yourself bigger, like Gomez did, like Dyer did a few weeks ago, then I think those have to be given. I think I look at it from a player perspective. So has he gained an advantage? And was it a movement to from the, um, from the hand um, to the ball? Has he made himself bigger? Uh, you know, currently you're meant to look at certain factors. The referees, after three or four games, were told to look uh, more closely at the ability to react. So for me, the Wolves player, Kilman, he can't react there. That's his natural movement. Was it a direct shot at goal? So I think if it's a direct shot at goal and you've literally got your hands poking out there, sorry, you can't see, but like literally poking out wide, then that is a handball. And the other is the position of the arm. So... If, like the Wolves player, it's sort of half down by your side, that's not a penalty for me by the rules. If you're a Gomez dire a few weeks ago, you've jumped, you've made yourself bigger, you've stopped an advantage. So, you know, you look at VAR, it's become a hot topic. Um, but actually, if you, if you look at the handball and you look at what, what people are meant to be doing, just keep it as simple as you can and just have four or five guidelines. Was it a natural position the die one I, there was such a big you know controversy over him there's such a big discussion but he actually did thought, two things I wrong. thought that one was harsh though I did but uh, no because he made himself bigger didn't he and by the law if you look at one of the points his arm was above his shoulder so that's two for me that shouldn't be given um but now now we, we so, now yeah sorry playing bingo by ticking off boxes so I don't understand. So, so they've tried to make handball subjective. I don't like the handball rule at all. I, I think it's ridiculous. I've suffered enough because of that stupid rule. So I, I don't like it. I think it's ridiculous. But but we're saying on one hand, we want object, we want offsides to be subjective. If you're off, you're off. But at the same time, we're saying we don't want the same for handball. So there, there's no real difference. You have to provide... There's a massive difference. There's oh, a massive yeah, difference. Do you know how... Because uh, nine uh, times out of sorry. ten, nine times out of ten, there is an offside decision is fact. Nine times out of ten. Handball, 
where a lot of the time you're judging it based on intent. That's not that's subjective. Yeah, subjective People couldn't agree over the weekend. Say, so you know. probably, I bet you didn't think that that Gomez one should have been given. What's the Gomez one? What the, the, the one where De Bruyne missed the penalty over the weekend. Oh, that one. Yeah, that one probably was a penalty. Okay, Dyer, you wouldn't have given that one. Probably not. No. no. So the Leicester one, I, I've heard people, the one. Roy, Roy Keane was on the show, you know, someone who you wouldn't think would be given those sort of penalties. He's given it as a penalty. The best way I've heard it described, right, was could a player be expected to have their arm in such a position given the way they were standing, their natural interaction with their opponent or their action at that time? Yeah. So Kilman at that time, could not be expected to do anything other than what he did with his arm. Gomez, at that time, could be expected to be doing something different with their arm, given the but circumstances around the play. What you're basically yeah. saying is, you some Yeah, precisely. Literally, that's it. But you're trying to say the same with his offsides, which is what annoys me because you're saying, look at an offside go and go, do you know what? It's only his toy now. So yeah, apply some common want, sense and let it go. But we're talking about subjective and objective, two different things. You can make handball subjective if you want to. You just don't want it. Handball is subjective. It will always you, be to a degree subjective can, unless you did a Luis Suarez or who was the guy in Newcastle make, who saved it like, and pretended it hit his is, chest. My point is, if you want to make handball objective, you can. You can. Within you reason, yeah, it's still not a sign. Yeah, it's it's so harder good. to do and it would completely well, yeah. destroy the game. Because you, the only way you could say is intentional and unintentional. The only way you could say intentional is someone literally dives and saves it. I know you're still annoyed about the Champions League final, but he made himself <laughs> bigger. Yeah, but the, but the point is, you can make it objective. You How? Don't want... How? Wait. If it can, it's penalty. That's not objective. People just aim for that. Okay, fine. That's objective, but, but it's wrong, it. isn't it? No, I don't agree with it. But I'm playing devil's advocate with the offside thing. You want okay. to make offside objective. It's exactly the same. You don't like it for handball for whatever reason. For offside, you're fine with it. But they're but why not. We can't, why can't we look at an offside and say the geezer's pointing? Because objectiveness within the handball rule would encourage people to just smack it at people's hands, whilst the offside rule, it's just. A better rule. It's not going to encourage people thing. to yeah. point. And what's they're going to do? Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yeah, you just just lean forward, just stick it over yeah. there. But it's just, yeah. it's just silliness. I mean, it's just it's just getting really, really, really unnecessarily silly. That's that's the point. It's all getting silly. All the guy needs to do is look at a screen and apply some common sense. It's, it's not that difficult. The problem. The problem is though, and you've said this in the past. You've said that. Football fans, managers, players, etc., are not mature enough to accept common sense being applied. And what they're trying to do, and I, I don't necessarily think they're doing the right thing in all cases, but what they're trying to do is they are trying to create some form of consistency. Which, when you've got different officials officiating different games, when you're giving them more room and more license to apply their own common sense, you naturally are going to create inconsistency in yeah. doing that and the variation hmm. in interpretations of what's just happened. And like, I I wish we were in a place where we could look at all the referees and say, yeah, we're going to get some inconsistency, but, you know, generally the referees are, are to a good level, but they're not. 
even with technology at their disposal, they're useless. And and I'm, you know, people will argue about VAR being a bad thing, and and we're not going to go into that today because we don't have time. But what it has done for me, from my point of view, is it's highlighted even more how bad some of these referees are. That even with the replay in front of them, even with the additional checks, with the additional time and the pressure of having to make a decision in a split second being taken away, they still can't get it right. So then how then in the way I see it is you give them more license to apply common sense. You, you actually get a worse result than if you're just asking them to to apply a set of rules and there's no sort of drifting away from them. There is no leeway on them. I don't know. That's kind of how I see it. Yeah. But it is what it is. It is what yeah, it is. Fair Good debate, good discussion. Um, don't forget, if you haven't already, smash the like button on this video. Subscribe to the channel if you're new. Check out tvsportsblog.com. We're going to leave it there for tonight because uh, we could be arguing about this for about two weeks, probably until the football returns after the international break um, because we're all divided on it, but it's not just us. Um, I think the wider football community is divided on this stuff as well, um, which is why it's such an important topic to discuss. I'm sure we'll be talking about it at another point during this season because there's no doubt the controversy is not going anywhere. Um, but we'll be back very, very soon. Can I just, sorry, can I, unless you're under a time limit, can I just ask uh, your, any as fans of Spurs? I'm not under Arsenal, a time limit. Mate. No, 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 no. I've got to uh, ten. Um, as fans of Spurs and Arsenal, what do you think of the briefly touching? What do you think of the fixture? D does it annoy you the fact that you, like a Dan, might have forty-eight hours in? Um, I don't know December where he's got a Carabao Cup and then European Cup. Is this fixture list annoying you as a as a fan? Because it was a hot topic over the weekend. I, d I don't like being in the Europe. Well, obviously, I need I want us to be in the Europa League because it's another route into the Champions League. But I don't like the implications that that has on the fixture list. I.e. Okay playing Thursday, Sunday. I can't stand it. I, I, as a fan, I hate it. Um, but I, I just I just found it weird that all the of moaning. The, the moaning was like synchronised moaning. It was as yeah, though Solskjaer, Pep and, and Klopp had all got together and planned they're, this rant. They're in, a, they're in a WhatsApp group. They must be. They must be. And, and where I kind of, I find this a little bit strange is moan about it last season. Moan about it next season. Yeah. But we all understand that we're in a time now where things are not as we want them to be. The season has been essentially crammed into a shorter period of time so that we can accommodate the European Championships in the summer. This is not, you know, it is bad in other seasons, but it's even worse this season because It's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's, it's yeah. because of the, the, the situation that the entire world finds itself in at the moment. And also, you can help yourself, right? Because like Wolves played a 383-game season and 59 games, <laughs> and, and you've got Nuno coming out and going, do you know what? I don't want the five subs. Well, you're not... Like, he, he can rotate his team if he wants. He's yeah. choosing. He's choosing not to. For me, a third of all the games being in December and January, which is the stat I saw earlier today, is great for us as fans. You know actually, what they, they need to do it, though, before the Euros. And the, the only other thing I'd say is people are saying, oh, you know, Liverpool have conceded 16 in eight games already and City have only scored 10 and it shows that the quality is lower. But do you know what? Like, I'm just glad to even have football. Like, for me, it, it, getting through this lockdown and this like, ridiculous period that we're in, just to have football, like, yes, I'm, I'm sorry that you're playing a bit more. I get that it's a silly argument to say, 
or they're you know they're two they're in two hundred k a week. They could play four times a week, three times a week. Yeah, that's stupid. They're still humans. Like it's very difficult. But th- this is a, a ridiculous time in our life, a once in a lifetime thing. So it is going to be crammed if we're even going to have a Euros, and we just need to. Um, we just need to accept it because there's no I, other way. They've scrapped the FA Cup replays, haven't they? So I don't really I see what else you're meant to do. And the only, sorry, the only other point I would say is there's a reason that those teams are given prime TV slot times, right? Man United. Lib- Take a look at what they're earning compared to what other teams are earning through. So a couple of seasons ago, Liverpool and double Villa in terms of TV yeah. revenue. So I'm sorry if you've got to fly back from wherever on a Wednesday night and play the 12.30 game on Sky TV in the Merseyside derby because you're getting 100 million more than Villa that season. So you're getting what you paid for Van Dijk and a bit more in the bank. So please stop moaning for a little while. It's getting boring. I kind of get get a bit of frustration where you're playing Thursday night away somewhere and then your game is at 12 o'clock on a Sunday. Yeah, on Saturday. I I kind of get a bit like, okay, you got two minutes? Yeah, 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 yeah. go for it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm not in a rush. Let's call this out for what this is. This, yeah. this is bollocks. This is big boy <laughs> bully managers who... Why, because you're a good manager, does that make you more of an expert on, like, you know, the human body than anyone else? Like, this is basically the big clubs. Let's call it for what it is. This is the biggest clubs trying to, ex- trying to extend their advantage. This is idiots like Pep Guardiola, massive... Lemon flop of a human being. He can't even win the league with a billion pounds spent. Like, and now he's losing. Five subs is brilliant for him, isn't it? Because now, now he can afford for four players to have a bad day and still win the football match instead of three players. Do you know what I mean? How is it making that much of a difference? If he's got two extra subs, he's going to make them at what time in a match? Seventy minutes? Seventy-five? Are you telling me that twenty minutes that player is off makes such a massive difference? I'm not having it. If he wants to rest his players, he can rest his players. He's got a big enough squad. Everyone tells us how brilliant his squad is. No one has asked you to play every player for every minute. He can rotate his squad around. He's got plenty of players there. And the point is, they're asking for two extra subs. That is going to be 15 minutes. What's going to happen happen in it? Is Aguero, I know Aguero's injured, bad example. Um, What good players are Is Kevin De Bruyne going to go off with 15 minutes to spare? No, he's not, because they're not good enough to be winning by more than one goal. So he needs him till the end anyway, because mm. he's shit manager and he's flopping. So he's going to take the pointer off, sit him in an ice bucket for 15 minutes, and that's going to make it all all right, is it? No, not- I, I, I don't... Look, I don't want to see five subs. I think it's shit. I think it... Right. Um, it devalues the what the manager's job is, because I feel like making the right choices is, is part of your job. And, you know, you, you only get three goes at it, which is the way it should be. I don't want to see more than more than three subs. I, I do have sympathy about the fact that, for example, I think Man United go to, you know, they went to Istanbul on Wednesday and then on Saturday, 12.30, they're playing away yeah, to Everton. Everton yeah. And, and you know, that game could have easily been the, the pay-per-view one yeah, yeah, yeah. on the Sunday night or, or just, you know, played on the Sunday. I get that. I, I do yeah, yeah, understand. I, I get that bit. Especially what? with an international break. Yeah, especially with an international break coming. I, I get that. I really do. I just feel like 
the, the, the synchronization of the moaning was a little bit irritating. That but they, they all, admitted it because yeah, they, they asked him. They said to Klopp. Yeah, but oh, no, sorry, the, the Premier to, League. Yeah, the Premier Klopp, League. What did you can, say to Pep? And he was like, we moaned about the transfer. Yeah, the, the, the thing is, though, the Premier League can make anything they want happen if 14 of the 20 clubs vote for it. Like, so it's in their hands, essentially, isn't mm. it? It's in the hands of the Premier League clubs. Yeah. The Premier League has become such a powerful entity now that they can dictate whatever they want to dictate if they all get together and do yeah. it. Yeah. The point here is that I'm, I'm, I'm all for them making a change with that. You know, we see it in Italy. We've seen how many times, Dan, have we seen Juve playing on a Friday night because on the coming Tuesday or Wednesday, they've got a big game in Europe. We we see other countries accommodate Spangler, their teams and try and Spangler help them, well. yeah, and they and, and they try and help them, and that's great and that's good, and I think the Premier League could learn from that, yeah. But this season in particular, it's just a shit situation, and we like there's there's we heard today, you know, in the UK, five hundred people died of coronavirus today. We know that you know th- this is going on in the world. We're happy, we said it at the top of the show, just to have football on our TV screens at the minute. Yeah. Do we need people now making a big complaint about something that actually has been a problem for a while, but you didn't bother piping up about it then? Well, wait till we get back to normal and by all yeah, means, let's have a song and dance about it. Yeah. But for now, it's just unnecessary. Well, Klopp's point, to be fair to Klopp, I'll give him credit. His was the only point which was valid because he said, by the way, you've been doing it for years. Like Trent Alexander Arnold's now injured. He's your fullback. He's not my international team's fullback. Yeah, so, yeah. good. For, like, you've been doing it for years. So, his is the only one that was valid because he didn't attribute it to this particular time in our lives. Yeah, but he's, it's just foreign managers coming over and it's, it, it just seems to be a about things. It seems to be a whinge about, you know, it's a big, massive whinge about the winter break. And they whinged about the winter break a couple of seasons ago and what a massive impact yeah. it has on English clubs. And there was four English clubs in the European finals. It's, it's nonsense. This is all about <clears throat> this is all about these big clubs trying to gain further a further advantage. So what the end position ends up being is you can make five subs, you can have twelve players on your bench. And what that means is bigger clubs like Manchester City, who still still can't compete despite all their millions and having a boiled egg in the dugout. They still can't compete. And they, they basically what it means is they can stockpile players. Because you can have Liverpool can go and they can have they can have Diego Jota, for example, and he's gonna get game time. Or they can buy whoever Diego Jota Diego Jota's equivalent is in another club. They can stockpile all these players. So yeah. clubs like Leicester, Wolves, etc. etc. If you was a Dharma Triori you wouldn't want to join Manchester City now because you're probably yeah. not playing. Now you've got five subs. Might 12, change things. Yeah. Out the bench, you're then part of that squad. So all you're yeah. doing is you're just moving players up to the four, five, six clubs and you're leaving a little one stranded and more and more cast away. And that's what this is about. Yeah. Don't be fooled by it. This, this is all about how can, how can bigger clubs who go 1-0 down change the game? I'll put that player on. Oh, that's not working. I'll put on another player. I'll, I'll keep Mara's happy on my bench. I'll, I'll, yeah. Yeah. I'll have four forwards on the bench instead of two. And then if I'm one nil down, I can literally go all out attack. And yeah. ten everyone back. Yeah. You know, you might lose the odd game on the break. But it's... it's... Yeah, they're all good points, guys. All good points. And it, so I'm just it, laughing at uh... Rafa in on the chat. <laughs> just Rafa in. Yeah. Got <laughs> literally everyone is going Rafa in. 
Harry, right. you love Rafa, don't you? I do you love, love Rafa. Oh, I love a man who speaks Rafa facts. Right I love right no, now, would you no, swap Rafa? No, would you not? No, no I don't know. Oh, no, no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. Even I wouldn't. when he brought that sheet out. I've I got to be honest, I lost a bit of respect for Rafa when he stayed at Newcastle for as long as he did. I felt like you're better than that. And then he went off to God knows where he went off to in China. China. I just thought, you know, I lost a bit of respect for him there. But I'll always love him for the facts rant, one of my favourite rants in the history of, of football and the world. So, yeah, I love that. Right, we're going to leave it there, guys. Um, yeah, we're going to leave it there um, just because time is uh, is running out. Thank you so much to every single one of you that tuned in. We had uh, a fair few of you watching us live tonight. And a big hello to everybody who's going to be watching us back on the replay or listening to this via the podcast. Don't forget to smash the like button, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. If you're listening via the podcast, leave us a review and we'll be back after the international break with another edition of The Social Club. So until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. Cheers. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. <laughs>